You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Travel Express and on Travel Express, we welcome our very own Ibrahim Baracha. My Ibrahim Ba, let me uh, greet uh, Ibrahim Ba with a hearty salam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, Ba, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you. Brother Shafat, and of course our listeners out there to Radio Marka Sahaba. <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, by the grace of God, I'm in fine fettle and looking very much forward to this program. Thank you. Absolutely, Ba. You know, you are such a busy person, but Alhamdulillah, I always I remind our listeners that you go the extra mile just to add, you know, value to Islamic broadcasting. And, you know, your years and years of experience have really made this segment your own, Ba. I mean, uh, you know, you just, uh, you came uh, duck to water. How you feel uh, doing that? How many years now? Why is it two years uh, that you're on your Travel Express here? Yeah, I believe it is. Time flies when you're having fun, they say. And <laughs> indeed, I, I enjoy the uh, engagement uh, with uh, yourself. Uh, and of course, our listeners are there very much so. You know, and I think... Uh, <clears throat> It benefits all of us collectively, and I think uh, that is a guiding light in itself, really. I, I appreciate that very much, where we can in the course of our discussions. And you know, uh, but there's something else uh, that uh, both you and I have grown up in a city <clears throat> that is a port city. Uh, we've been uh, very close to the harbor. We have watched, uh, you know, sailors come from uh, different parts of the world. And, you know, we had them home, we ate on board and so forth. I mean, how privileged and how lucky we were that Allah gave us this opportunity, Ma. Uh, we are truly blessed, uh, but I, I, I can't say it any other way. You know, the thing is, uh, when, uh, you know, when one has reached uh, advanced age and hopefully with it uh, maturity and uh, even more hopefully some wisdom with the passage of time, uh, then, you know, and you sit uh, to reflect and try and count the uh, bounties, the ni'mah that Allah has blessed us with. Uh, truly, we cannot seem to count it. And we are just talking about our lives in just one sort of context, in one perspective, but so very limited. But uh, truly, we are so blessed, you know, to have lived when we lived and uh, having seen uh, the best uh, days of our lives and collectively the best days in this country, I would uh, say. And now to see uh, the world itself, and uh, in no small way, our own country uh, going down the drain, literally. So, uh, yeah, it has been quite a journey thus far, and we are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having blessed us with all the faculties, you know, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, mentally, even physically, to be able to uh, keep going and, uh, you know, uh, being able in an inner position uh, which we are to enlighten a possibly the younger generation and of course so listeners to reminisce with them the times that we have lived through and gone through and enjoyed and of course are now seeing uh, the downside of. You know, but whilst you're talking and I was thinking, you know, you talk about the influences in society. I mean, the Indian were in their own pocket and the colors and the whites and, the, you know, the Africans, they all had their own uh, leadership. Who were the influences in our community at that time? You know, uh, even uh, we had our own travel agency at that time. Uh, ba. Talk to us about that uh, uh, yesteryear, you know, the influences and the travel industry. Yeah, I think uh, if my memory serves me correctly, I think uh, AI Kaji was the mm-hmm. first uh, Indian and Muslim-owned 
travel agency to be uh, setting up and opening uh, its offices in Durban. <clears throat> and of course, uh, it was uh, during the heyday of apartheid. And of course, uh, with the progression or the passage of time, uh, more and more came into being. I know that uh, our agency started way back in 1980. That's now what almost 43 years. So uh, they were very notable uh, sort of, uh, uh, how should I say, forerunners that uh, took the plunge. And of course, it was a very specialized field. You needed to know what you were doing. You needed to have the uh, clientele to support you with. And of course, uh, being the heyday of apartheid, everything was controlled then, uh, you know, as a monopoly by the the uh, Europeans, the white agencies and things like that. So uh, it was uh, twice, uh, twice as difficult and challenging for any of the Indians uh, to break into it. And of course, uh, as it progressed, more and more Indians came into it. I know there was MK Bobby Night of Travel that was also there for a while. There was Time Travel, uh, Catches, of course, again, and mm -hmm. Royal Travel and others that came into play. And of course, thereafter, there was just uh, uh, an explosion uh, of uh, agents just setting up shop. Malik Travels, of course, being one of them. And uh, yeah, those were the ones. And uh, you know, you were talking about the uh, pace setters or the uh, ones that stood out insofar as influencing the uh, manner in which uh, the uh, Indians were a represented a either in a social, political, or even the business arenas. Uh, the good thing is, and I'd like to tell you this, and the listeners is that uh, our erstwhile. Uh, uh, Deputy Mayor, Hosea Pierce, this uh, last week or so, she called me up again. We keep in touch, of course, because of the work that we do together. <clears throat> and uh, there is a program that she has uh, initiated. Uh, it's called Unsung Heroes. And uh, it's all about uh, sort of giving recognition to the people that we are just talking about, you know, that uh, really, uh, you know, never even got to be mentioned or even known, you know, in the public domain insofar as all the good work that they did just purely because of the goodness of their heart without expecting any reward or anything of the sort or a pat on the back or anything of the sort. And uh, basically what it is, and uh, she asked me to be on that board and I, of course, uh, accepted gracefully. And uh, another responsibility, I might add, but uh, I told her, I said, if it's going to be a lot of meetings and stuff like it, I'm not going to be able to. She said, no, 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 once a month or so. I said, well, once a month, I can I can handle that. But uh, just to come back to the uh, topic part, the thing is, it's a good uh, initiative. And that is why I thought I'd uh, lend it some time to be able to sit there and determine a uh, that all the submissions uh, for the various people that are worthy of receiving that award, uh, you know, to uh, sort of filter through everyone and see who is the one that is most deserving of it. Of course, the uh, submissions are quite uh, coming in quite thick and fast. So it'll be up to the the board to sit and determine a who is going to get the, the award and then it carries on. I don't know uh, how frequent it's going to be. We still got to discuss matters of the constitution, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, how frequently that award is going to be uh, uh, granted and things like that remains to be seen. I know the first one has been given to a very worthy person as well. 
uh, real stalwart in, uh, I think, uh, the community uh, from Metropolis, no doubt, and uh, very, very much worthy of it. But uh, going through with it, I'm sure there'll be lots of other unsung heroes out there that we would be uh, honored to be associated with and to recognize a uh, whether they are living or posthumously uh, is something that we will determine. <laughs> Whilst you're talking about the travel agency, I recall uh, one travel agency was uh, Progress Travels. I told oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I, I'm I sorry, I forgot to mention that was the Springo Rail. Actually, I think that was Progress Travel, and then that was bought by our erstwhile partners, Avoca uh, Wholesaler Group, uh, and it became Avoca Travels, and that is where we went into partnership with them uh, before they moved out of it, and we continued running it. Shame I have come through and uh, yeah, scuttled out there, but uh, we're back on track and uh, thank you, Lucaro, for being uh, so sharp there. Yeah, Ibrahim, while we're talking about, you know, Avoca Travels, I recall it was uh, the Carodias. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. I mean, yeah, they had, uh, plus they had a shipping company there. I remember. No, they, I, uh, they had uh, uh, they had uh, lots of uh, sort of uh, businesses. Shipping was one of them, the uh, travel agency, and of course the entire Avoca uh, Wholesaler Group, you know, that was so uh, popular at that time. And I remember there's a Pakistani they had as a right-hand man. Yeah, he talked yeah. to me because I was, uh, you know, D-that's, and we used to do a lot of dawa and, mm. you know, the uh, semen things and all that. They, they they really embraced us and celebrated us too. And uh, we had a very good rapport with him. And uh, then as we talked about A.K. Vauda that ran uh, uh, Progress Travels, yes. he too, he made a wave. And he was uh, the youngest, uh, I think, deputy mayor for Spingo. Mm. And he passed away at a very young age of 44 or 45. And, uh, you know, uh, these are people that were trendsetters. Uh, and, you know, one thing, Ba. I recall this, uh, the late A.K. Vauda used to talk to me about uh, the Muslim lobby and mm. how they had the nationalist government <laughs> eating off their hands mm. because the lobby was there. Like, you know, you talk about Jewish lobby. But yeah. at that time, the Muslim lobby with the, these guys was uh, quite good so that, you know, they got perks all over. If they opened a travel agency, they, uh, you know, they were not, uh, they were given leeway, Ba. Uh, mm. I, maybe I'm right in my assumptions that you could correct me, Ba. Well, I, I'm not so sure how much of a leeway they'd give us, but I guess, yes, there was that influence, even though we were a minority amongst minorities, you know, that uh, we managed to get things done. And even today, if you speak of the uh, Indian diaspora, I mean, for, for the size uh, and the numbers that we have, we command a considerable clout in whichever sphere you care to look for. Yeah, but I tell you, Mr. Gremlin came in again, but I swatted him out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back with you again, Ba. Uh, you know, uh, there, there is this, uh, uh, you know, I, I was watching a clip recently, mm. and uh, there's this gentleman, is, you know, he's a conspiracy theorist, but he says, watch it, uh, that there's this uh, a Jewish company had bought acres and acres of land in Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And he says that uh, Cape Town 
will be the next Israel. They want to come and settle there. <laughs> and move. What's your thoughts on that, Ba? Well, in the uh, in this day and age, anything's possible. And uh, what used to be something that was uh, bandied about as a slur and people that were made fun of with that term that was coined by the CIA no less some years ago. There's, uh, what has happened is those so-called conspiracy theorists have been proven to be correct in so many, many instances recently that uh, that term is now more a conspiracy realist as opposed to a theorist. And uh, look, it is possible. The thing is uh, money uh, can do uh, all sorts of things, as we can see. And the fact that the DAA is in uh, control of the Western Cape, there are uh, uh, memes and uh, social media posts that are going around claiming that the uh, leaders of the uh, Democratic Alliance or whatever they call themselves have taken uh, heavy loans or sorts of things like that have indebted themselves. And uh, of course, uh, the collateral put up is maybe land and stuff like that. And uh, already anyone in the know knows that uh, the Cape Town itself is a place that is heavily influenced by the Jews and a lot of uh, Jewish uh, people that are already there, living there, setting up, set up shop and things like that. Not least of all is our uh, Mossad and other agents as well. So it's a hive of activity there for them and things like that. And I think uh, they find it very uh, uh, favorable, the conditions there and very fertile ground for them to be doing all sorts of things. And being so cosmopolitan, I think it lends itself to that. So like I'm saying, uh, what might be a theory at this stage could be a reality very soon, given the situation in the Middle East currently and how it's going to be uh, playing out ultimately. No, absolutely, Ba. And uh, then we look at our tourist uh, safety uh, spotlighted ahead of the festive season or the silly season or the busy season, Ba. How mm-hmm. would you look at it? Well, uh, it's that time of the year again, and everyone loses their inhibitions and anything goes, unfortunately. And uh, it seems that uh, yeah, with every passing year, the the behavior gets a bit more uh, outrageous, a bit more silly. But uh, they think that uh, it's that time of the year where they have earned the right, so to speak, to cast off all inhibitions and do whatever they feel like, of course, uh, being inebriated and, you know, intoxicated and drugged and whatnot else that, of course, adds to the picture. But uh, this is not something that is unusual. And uh, whilst this is something that is being uh, uh, stated by the uh, tourism authorities, the thing is, uh, what I can say that uh, every year we have what we call FESMAC, and that's the body that... uh, is responsible for ensuring that everything is under control and goes well in Durban and uh, uh, Greater Durban area uh, during the festive season. And of course, just last week we had a meeting that was attended by the usual suspects, meaning SAPs and Metropolis ourselves, tourism, and then and the rest of the team. And uh, yeah, again, in keeping with this uh, plans to uh, handle uh, any eventuality 
during the forthcoming festive season uh, was outlined, plans were outlined, and, uh, you know, this included uh, uh, enhancing tourism safety, uh, mapping crime hotspots, which we all know very well, being in the business as such, uh, risk assessment, and, of course, implementing uh, a route security plan, which is uh, what we uh, call in uh, the uh, industry term corridors of excellence. And uh, of course, it's going to be, uh, you know, running with the uh, incorporation of technology. We've got our own camera network as has the city as well, and uh, the uh, uh, drone usage will be coming into play. And uh, this is all because uh, it is important. I mean, given that uh, Durban is such an important tourism hub, along with Cape Town as well, uh, especially during the December festive season. And uh, we cannot afford even to contemplate putting a foot wrong. So uh, we we normally uh, take on at least 100, 120 additional uh, monitors that are placed strategically, you know, day and night to make sure that, uh, you know, they keep an eye on things, the camera room, the control room, of course, monitors all the cameras that are out there. We work very closely with the city insofar as the disaster management goes. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of share the feed uh, from ours and their cameras. We even have our people in, in their control room and we also have Metropolis in our control room. So much so that the response time is almost instantaneous. The minute something is spotted AI, either by the monitors on the ground or from the control room and watching on the cameras. So this is something that has been, uh, uh, how shall I say, enhanced even further by the tourism authorities. And uh, it is something that is, uh, in my estimation, a very, very important facet of any uh, sort of festive season or holiday season, because the last thing you want uh, to have happen is for a traveler that's coming to spend his hard-earned money, uh, you know, in Durban, say, for instance, and to have a lousy experience. And we all know that uh, just as we are preparing for it, the criminal elements are also preparing. And, uh, you know, whether it's uh, theft of motor vehicles, theft of uh, stuff out of motor vehicles and uh, the usual uh, smash and grabs and uh, stealing and muggings and things like that, that they normally sort of take advantage of tourists who have uh, sort of uh, switched off, so to speak, in the sense that they are on holiday and they, you know, let their guard down, for instance, and that's all you need because these guys have the uh, element of surprise on their side always. So uh, I think once again, uh, you know, common sense must prevail and it is up to the individual to make sure that they remain, you know, alert as to where their surroundings are, not go to places that, uh, you know, would invite trouble or are uh, dimly late and things like that, going alone and stuff like that at odd hours. So uh, this is something that the uh, tourism, uh, I think, department has placed emphasis on even more so for the season. And this is not just something that's uh, isolated to Durban, it's across the country, uh, the main tourist areas. And I think it augurs well for the tourists uh, that are coming out to have a holiday and have a break at the end of what has been one of the more challenging years on record. So uh, that's what it's all about, Pa. 
Well, Bob, I'm going to have a guess, and I know who you are talking to, if I'm not mistaken. Brigadier Parbu Supasad, Bob. <laughs> no, he's one of them, and that that's from the uh, from the Metropolis side. There's also uh, the Brigadier who's in charge of Durban Central as well. So, yeah. Oh, so you have a whole team there. I just got a part of the puzzle. But uh, Jazakallah for sharing that with us, uh, Ba. As uh, you know, we move on and, and then we look at the KZN cruise terminal will fuel tourism growth. And uh, is this uh, our Durban Harbour getting a facelift, Ba? Well, the, <clears throat> the new terminal was in uh, in the process of being built. It is ready and it is functional already. And I think uh, we had uh, our president down the other day just to launch uh, the 23-24 cruise season with the opening of what's called Nelson, Nelson Mandela Cruise Terminal. And uh, of course, this is a product of the public-private partnership involving MSC Cruises, uh, uh, African Armada Consortium, and uh, Transnet National Ports Authority. And uh, it costs in the region of 330 million, uh, and it uh, has a area of it covers an area of 6,000 square meters. It's energy efficient and capable of handling 4,000 passengers daily. I don't think uh, that with one ship you'll be having so much unless one of those gigantic ones come into port. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, about reinforcing Durban's status as a premier cruise destination. And it is well located if you if you know where we used to go sometimes to catch that ferry to go across to the other side of the uh, harbor huh? to the bluff side. The bluff, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where it's at. Yes. That's exactly where it's at. And uh, the good thing is that it's just a, a cool walk along the new promenade right into the city. And I think this is what is uh, what makes it so much more appealing as well. And uh, it is uh, something that uh, it added uh, value to Durban, definitely. And I think uh, I can only hope and pray that uh, Transnet Post Ports Authority gets its act together because uh, the paper is full of all sorts of negative sentiment and comments and things like that insofar as the entity itself, uh, the parastatal and how things have been going down the drain. And of course, uh, that's just one facet of it, not to mention the the commercial side of it. This is, we talk about leisure traffic, traffic. we talk about the commercial side of it, where there's a huge backlog of uh, uh, ships out there waiting to come in and not enough throughput. So uh, having uh, said that, uh, Ramaphosa underscored the terminal significance in the $174 billion cruise, global cruise market and its potential uh, economic impact. And uh, they said that the project uh, itself generated 10,000 jobs in the construction industry. And of course, it was uh, prioritizing uh, hiring of locals in and around Durban itself. And linked to the broader national plan for port upgrades, uh, the this cruise terminal, I think it aligns well with the KZN Logistics Hub program. And it's expected to create uh, upwards of 570,000 jobs over the next 15 years. And uh, of course, uh, MSC Cruises Executive Chairman, uh, he was uh, quite enthusiastic about the whole thing. And 
he saw a huge potential for attracting passengers from over 100 nationalities and positively impacting our cruise and uh, cruise tourism uh, industry. And of course, it was named in in honor of um, Mabida. And uh, there are plans, transit plans for Durban Bay waterfront redevelopment. Well, look, uh, I think you you as well as the listeners out there know that that has been, uh, you know, something that has been ongoing for the past decade or two or three now. But uh, let's hope that uh, together with all of these and uh, the MSC group and everybody else, that they can all work together to make this a reality because really uh, Durban has such huge potential to be the best city on the continent, if not, you know, on uh, on Earth. But the thing is, uh, unfortunately, if you don't have the right people at the helm doing the right kind of things at the right time, the thing is, uh, it's no surprise that uh, we will just be brushed off as uh, some also ran in that category, you know. And uh, let's just hope that this new cruise terminal, uh, it marks, uh, you know, an improvement and uh, boost uh, tourism, create more jobs and, of course, uh, contribute to the growth of a not only Durban, but uh, the country itself. And uh, what we must add, of course, is that uh, whenever the port, uh, the ship comes to port, the thing is you get the usual suspects, all the, the, the guys looking to latch on to unsuspecting tourists. So, we work uh, very closely with the law enforcement agencies to make sure that uh, there is a visible presence to a, either inform and escort or look out for the well-being of these uh, cruise guests that uh, come ashore. Yeah. Uh, Jazakallah for that, uh, Ba. You know, recalling those boats uh, that we used to take uh, to go mm-hmm. across you know, to the coaling berth, and there were certain mm-hmm. ships, I remember being uh, with uh, Zidat, you know, uh, taking literature at, late at, uh, you know, right early night, and, you know, you get to that ferry, and it, uh, did they charge us anything? I think it was free. They'll take you across, and if it if it was a choppy uh, weather, yeah, you yeah. know, if it was windy, mm-hmm. hey, 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 that boat used to rock, bar. Yeah, like but anyway, it took us. It did, all over the place, I know. I used yeah. to watch it. Mm. Yeah, you remember that. So I had many trips, and uh, twice I think uh, I lost my cargo. Mm. <laughs> uh, two, three boxes uh, went over, but because the boat was so, uh, you know, it was actually very low, low, low indeed. Well, but yeah. Alhamdulillah, you know, all this experience, uh, then uh, yeah, we really, we really had good times, Abba. But uh, it seems as if those, those years won't come back again. Even you know the ships. You remember. When they used to come, cars used to park literally next to the ship. Yeah, uh, yeah that's the, right. That's right. And then uh, at the old Durban Harbor, I mean, at the old Durban Airport, uh, the Louis Bosa Airport, mm-hmm. you virtually could touch the aeroplane. You yeah. know, it was so close to you, Ba. Do you mm-hmm. recall? Of course. And the thing is, if you're standing right against that railing, and you watch it go, and if it turned, and the engines were, the exhaust was facing, yes. you got a whole, whole lot of... Uh, a debris and of course grass coming in that you were going to either <laughs> breathe in or chew on. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, what memories, Ba? You brought it alive there. I can mm, take that grass away mm, mm, and you start like, hey, hey I'm going to choke now. And uh, you know, and then uh, I remember the Concord came one year, yes. and uh, and, uh, and they told us that in 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 class they said all come out, all come out, mm. and we could see it clearly the Concord, uh, you know. I think it flew over Durban because the airport was too small to uh, oh, the for the plane to land. Yeah, 
Mm-mm. Yeah, I couldn't handle it. But then there was also the uh, 747 Jumbo, remember when that came out? That was in the 70s, so that was quite a hit as well. Yeah, what memories we had there, Ba. And yeah. about the, uh, so much for Then we look at the airline orders that take off at the Dubai Air Show. So who's buying it? Qatari Airways, Etihad, about uh, Turkish? I don't know uh, whether that when uh, all those deliveries are going to come to pass because it takes forever to build an aircraft and, uh, you know, uh, take delivery thereof. And people that take it for this first uh, flight have been known to refuse to take their delivery and send it back to the factory for this, that or the other. But uh, coming back to the uh, topic, the Dubai Air Show is an annual event and uh, all the uh, usual suspects are there, Airbus, Boeing, and of course, ATR, which is a French-Italian uh, sort of conglomerate that makes a more uh, regional sort of aircraft that they use in areas that are less accessible and smaller runways or at an altitude that gets a bit scary. So those are the three main players that they and a total of 199 confirmed aircraft orders were reporting were reported basically during the five day event that was held uh, uh, in November between uh, 13th and the 17th. And of course, uh, Emirates, I think, uh, placed the biggest order worth something like uh, 52 billion with a B US dollars. Uh, from Boeing, and uh, basically it was uh, 35 uh, 777s, 55 also 777, but a different uh, variant, uh, 20 787, 15 787, another variant of, and an additional A350 10s. So a massive order there, and then of course uh, it's a low-cost carrier fly Dubai, uh, made a remarkable entry into the white body aircraft market and they placed an order for its inaugural fleet of 30 B7879s, totaling $11 billion. Then followed by Egypt Air that expanded its fleets, again with Boeing. Uh, and basically they don't buy directly from the aircraft manufacturer itself. There's a go between like an Airlies Corporation or other company in between. So they ordered uh, 18 Boeing 737s and 10 of the A350 from Airbus. Uh, Not to miss out with Ethiopian Airlines that uh, went in for 41 uh, B737, which is the one they use normally on the short hauls or the domestic routes. 21 787s, which is the longer haul, and an uh, an option for an additional 31. And of course, they also entered an MOU uh, with an order with Airbus for 33 A350-9s. Uh, Royal Jordanian increased its fleet uh, with four of the Boeing 787s, and uh, this complemented its early acquisition of two of those uh, same aircraft earlier in the year. Uh, Royal Air Morocco from Morocco, uh, they signed an order for 2787, and Turkish Airlines subsidiary, which is Sun Express, made a substantial order for 9090 Boeing 737 MAX aircraft. So uh, that's the sum total of it. And uh, like I said, uh, a huge order book, and uh, this will take like decades to deliver. And I'm sure the delivery is staggered, you know, because uh, to produce just one aircraft uh, takes considerable time. 
So uh, if you're looking at all these uh, numbers that have been mentioned just now, it's going to take a while before those things actually, uh, you know, reach for the skies. Well, they ordered uh, for the skies. It'll reach uh, to the skies. And uh, in between, uh, lots of things happening. But uh, absolutely brilliant evening with you. And as you can see, it's a uh, landing time for us already. Perhaps uh, you're rounding up and uh, your parting words this evening, Ba. Yeah, you know, we talk about uh, life, that what it used to be and what it is today. And sadly, the the uh, question of truth and justice comes to mind where it has lost its value, where the lies and the liars prevail. And I find it unbelievable that uh, in this 21st century, uh, that uh, so-called civilized governments that constantly lecture us about democracy, human rights et al, would take an active part in barbaric ethnic cleansing that's going on in Palestine currently. So, yeah, I just hope and pray that Allah gives them the strength and courage, you know, to be even more resilient than they have been these past 70 years. And uh, may he bless them and the souls of the martyrs that have already given up their lives and those who are still surviving, give them the strength and the courage and the wherewithal to uh, endure what is seriously, you know, a genocide over there. So uh, that's my thought, and I'm sure it resonates with you and, uh, of course, all the uh, Muslim community. Indeed, uh, anyone that claims to be human, irrespective of their uh, creed or religion or whatever persuasion they follow, even though they don't have spoken out for it. So, yeah, I am feeling very bad about it, like many others, but... uh, I know that ultimately Allah's will will prevail. So uh, I just want to leave you with that. Yes, Abba, absolutely. I will agree with that. And Amina, to your du'as and your thoughts, and I could feel it coming uh, directly from your soul. Abba, you have a beautiful evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, we would like to thank Lakolo for top engineering uh, this evening. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, I will bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.